listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello and welcome to this week's the Nutmeg Assist podcast with me, myself, Chris, the co-host. But been another change to the starting lineup this week because my co-host Rishwick can't join us, so he has been replaced once again by our super sub, Sadesh. Sadesh, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, Chris. And hello, everyone. Like, I'm back. <laughs> not back so yeah and just just to let any listeners know uh, what the situation is with Rithwick he um, basically people need to know that Rithwick is is basically turning into the Daniel Storage of podcasts <laughs> so unless he is 120% fit he doesn't play ball basically so he's uh, he's feigning another injury this week so but we managed to scrape through last week without him so I'm sure we will do again this week but Get well soon, Rithwick. <laughs> um, Champions League draw, mate. What can we say? It's getting into the, as Alex Ferguson would put it, the squeaky bum time at the Champions League. Some interesting draw, some interesting fixtures made in the draw today. Um, what's the highlight for you? Um, for me, it's like, like I kind of expected this draw because like I always speculate about what's gonna happen and what's gonna not what's not gonna happen. So it was kind of you know uh, I kind of thought Madrid and Liverpool would be the same, but I I didn't like the highlight for me would be Man City and Dortmund for some reason. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I I think the highlight for me is obviously the the. The refixture of last year's final, the Bayern Munich PSG game, which we'll get to shortly. I think that's a standout tie because mm-hmm. I think I think that's potential for an upset there. I don't really, I don't, I don't want to really go as far as saying it, it feels weird when you call PSG underdogs, but I just think that that's the team Bayern Munich least would have wanted to play given the strengths and the pace that PSG have up front and given how high up the pitch Bayern Munich like to play. But we'll, de- we'll, 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 we'll go into it a bit more tactically as we go along. Uh, but we'll start off... We'll, we'll, we'll start off with uh, the Real Madrid-Liverpool game, uh, seeing as you've, uh, you've pointed to that fixture first. Obviously, a repeat of the 2018 final. Uh, plus, it's... A, in my opinion, when, when this come out, obviously it's two giants in terms of two two of the most successful teams of the Champions League slash European Cup. But I haven't got a clue who's going to win this game, so it is a very intriguing fixture. Oh. And yeah, I mean Real Madrid again. They're not the Real Madrid of old, but they haven't been the Real Madrid of old for about five years, and they've still won they've still won the European Cup three times or the Champions League three times in that period. Zidane. I think Zidane has mastered knockout, being able to go through in in a knockout tournament. Um, and as I mentioned last week, Liverpool, Liverpool don't seem to be on it domestically, but they seem to be scraping through and playing really well in the Champions League. Just just going about the business. But why is it? What why is it that you picked this fixture as being the standouts? I mean. I mean, in a lot of ways, this picture kind of stands out because stands out because like this kind of is the like the fixture that you know seems to be in a client in one way or the other. Like if you look at Real Madrid, who 
kind of specialized in the Champions League, if we can say that. Like he, yeah, they have been able to performances when they're required, and they've been able to kind of get through in the Champions League, even though when they were struggling. So in that, that sense, you can always see Real Madrid coming out of this picture, but we can never undermine what Liverpool have been, a, a team that Liverpool have been for last two seasons or so, and they continue, especially when you talk about the Champions League, let's not consider the league. And this becomes more interesting now and more standard now, after what Jurgen Klopp had to say recently in his press conference, and he went like, okay, he, he conceded the league basically in January, yeah. in, I guess. And now he hinted towards uh, a very tight top four, indicating how Chelsea have been uh, under Tuchel recently. So in this case, it becomes very interesting that Liverpool now are eyeing towards focusing on the Champions League, just the thing what Real Madrid used to do in the past years. So in this way, this fixture kind of immediately st- stood out on the context of what Jurgen Club said. Uh, they've been quite do- doing quite well in the Champions League, coming out of the back defeat with a 4-0 aggregate score against Leipzig. Uh, but since both of these teams are not at their very best of what they used to be, this becomes more interesting on the field as well as off the field if we put in all the things that have been happening around the two clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is very intriguing um, from every uh, every single uh, perspective. Really, I mean, even from a tactical perspective, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's fairly obvious what how b- both teams are set up and uh, who 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 will play, especially in the midfield area. Both teams, but like you said, Liverpool against Leipzig, two 0 on both legs, and I thought it was just a very very good control performance we're not standing it weren't the Liverpool that you become that you may be seeing last season where once they get one the floodgates open and, and they could end up getting two three four five you just don't know where it's going to end up I thought they, they, they just controlled the game and I think when you throw in Thiago into that midfield I think that's what if you that's what he was bought for and I think he was bought specifically to help Liverpool control games in the Champions League against teams such as Real Madrid, who are going to have uh, Luka Modric and Tony Cruz looking to do the same. Uh, one person who might stand out in this, and he's gone, he's gone under the radar this season, this season a little bit when people are talking about most informed strikers. But I think he's been fantastic. So Real Madrid, he's been easily their best player mm. or most effective player, and that's Karim Benzema. He just seems to be producing the goods. Not, I wouldn't say week after week, but he's been. He's been fairly consistent since the start of the season, and given given Liverpool's maybe questionable, not only questionable form, but question, obviously who will play and the, the issues they're having at centre half, that could be one area that uh, Real Madrid uh, are looking to exploit. Um, I mean, you you rightly pointed out about Karim Benzema, like he scored 15 goals this season, and the only player that comes close to Tony Cruz in terms of Real Madrid squad is Casemiro and he's just scored five so yeah. in this as well uh, considering that Liverpool are struggling with their defence with, of course with the absence of first Van Dijk if we consider them struggling uh, he's going to be a key figure if Real Madrid are to proceed through this picture yeah yeah I've, another thing as well obviously we've, we've pointed out to I, how well Liverpool done in the last round what Real Madrid done to Atalanta um, 
I thought I don't think people are giving them enough credit. I know people will talk about the referee uh, referee decisions from the first leg, but that second leg performance. And again, I've noticed a few things on Twitter. People mention how poor Atalanta were, but Real Madrid done a job on them. I thought um, I watched over extensive highlights of the game afterwards. But once that first goal went in, I only ever seen winner, uh, one winner. I didn't see Atalanta getting back in that game. I thought Real Madrid just, just controlled the tempo of that game perfectly uh, and basically just took the zest out of Atalanta because I think anyone who's watched anyone who listens to, who, or who will listen to this and has watched Atalanta play they play with such well, I don't know what the right word is they're, they're so dynamic and they're so fast paced uh, and the attacking numbers and it just seemed to me when I, when I was watching that game Real Madrid just had total control of the game mm-hmm. and I, I don't know I, We'll get to we'll get towards uh, at towards the end of the show. We'll get towards who who we think is going to benefit most and whether your prediction from last week is going to change based on the out based on today's draw. But I don't know. I don't, I just don't think you can write any of these two teams out of this tournament yet. I know a lot of people have and will do on the domestic form, but for me that makes them more dangerous in this tournament. Yeah, I, I mean. This stood out for me because, you know, it's it's basically a paradox. Like, you cannot write both of these off. If you consider one factor, a team stands out. And if you consider another one, I mean, that team completely falls off. So, you know, these two are heavyweights without a doubt. But it's not a situation in which you can easily predict who will go through. Right? So, th- this kind of is the standout for me right now. Mm. Have we got a prediction off you, mate? As to who's going to go through? Over the two legs, putting you on the spot. Um, okay, now um, as as a football fan, I'm excited that this will offer a good contest. But the Barcelona yeah, fan yeah. in me wants Liverpool to go through. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not taking Real Madrid in UFA Champions League. For us, them getting knocked out of this tie and Barcelona kind of getting hold of the league in this periphery would be like. The perfect scenario. Let's see what happens. But like, no risk with Real Madrid at all in the Champions League. So you know, after the quarterfinals, and if like if they go through, anything can happen. Like they can win it. So yeah, uh, the sooner the better for me. <laughs> so it's Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool. So so what about you? Um, well, I'm the exact same as an Everton fan. I'm the exact same as you, but I'm going for Real Madrid. I don't want Liverpool winning this game. I don't want them getting anywhere. It'll be, it would be typical of Liverpool to have a poor season domestically and then win the Champions League. <laughs> uh, that'll be typical. But no, it's such a hard game to predict. If I'm if I'm looking at it completely from a a football fan's perspective, like a neutral perspective, it's I'm, I'm edging towards Liverpool going through over the two legs, um, just because I, I don't know. I think I think. You mentioned Benzema there, and you brought up a very good point. After him, after him, Real Madrid don't seem to get many goals from elsewhere. Um, did you mention that? Was it was it Casemiro was on five goals? Yeah, after it, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 highlights a bit of an issue for Real Madrid going forward. Probably something that they look to rectify in the summer. But the fact that they're not don't seem to be scoring from any other position and and their defensive primarily defensive midfielder is the next best goal scorer indicates there's a bit of an issue there. If Benzema doesn't score, who will get the goals for them? And I think Liverpool, I've got 
I know people will point to the form of Firmino and Mane this year, but they've got goals all over that front three. And even if Diego Jota comes in, they've still got someone who, who, who knows uh, who knows where the back of the net is and has proven this season that he will come in and be fantastic and do uh, a, as equal a job for whoever he replaces. So I imagine towards Liverpool just on the basis that they can there's more goals on the team. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that brings us to, I guess, the close of this match. And the winner of this match is going to face the winner of either Porto or Chelsea. So, what are your thoughts on this tie? Uh, I've been I've been so impressed with Chelsea since Thomas Tuchel yeah. took over. I've, I'm such a big fan of the way he sets out his teams, what he gets from his teams. I think he's very good tactically. And you can you can just see the improvements in that team. All the players seem to know what they're doing, and I thought again once they once they got that one uh, once they took that one 0 lead from the first leg against Atletico Madrid, there was only going to be one winner in that tie, and I thought I thought they were fantastic. They were nice again um, tactically. It, I thought they were tactically perfect, and I don't really think and I know there, there may be people that sort of look at that and go, well, there's there's always rooms for improvement. There's always ways yeah. you can improve the way you play and individual performances, etc. But considering the team that they were playing against, they'd done exactly everything that they had to do and they can just control the game. And I think Porto, again, is the perfect opponent for them because Porto are not... Too, uh, Sergio Conceição doesn't set up as teams too similar uh, too dissimilar to Diego Simeone. I know people will point out that this season, Simeone has sort of been a bit more flexible in the way the formation of Atletico Madrid has set up, but the principles of the, of the play have still been completely the same. Uh, and I know Porto uh, have set up throughout the tournament as a 4-4-2. And I know against Juventus, it was a bit more of a... The wingers were like, were like second full-backs, if you like. But I think that plays perfectly into Chelsea's hands, especially if Chelsea were to take the lead in the tie at, give, at any stage. I think that that's perfect for them. So I only I only see one winner here, and I'm going to go with Chelsea for the win uh, because I, I just think that they're perfectly set up for for this game already. How about yourself? Um, yeah, I mean I, I watched Chelsea play yesterday, and I mean I would say it was a well deserved. 2-0 win. Uh, my key observations from the match were exactly what you pointed out. Like Diego Simeone, I've never seen Diego Simeone's team get that too flexible. I mean, they were committing players forward. Um, yeah. The, you know, they were, in a sense, attacking Chelsea and kind of were apparently looking to get the first goal, but the uh, Hakim Ziyech strike kind of changed the whole dynamic of the game. I mean, after that, I could only see one winner. Uh, Chelsea yeah. control game were able to create spaces in the middle, and were kind of you know eased off Diego Simeone's team, which we don't ever see happening. We we have never seen it happening, and uh, th- that that kind of says it all about the all about the tie that we witnessed. We're seeing probably the downfall of an era at Atletico Madrid, and probably rise of an era at Chelsea. Um, yeah. You know, you see Frank Lampard, you know, uh, you know the, the team going in the all possible wrong directions and 
kind of getting nervy, nothing's going their way, but Thomas Tuchel comes in and makes some adaptations and kind of, you know, puts his own stamp on the team and it suddenly functions so well that they have gone 13 games unbeaten, I guess, under yeah. Thomas Tuchel. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, with what you told, uh, considering that Chelsea were convincing enough to defeat Atletico Madrid, um, and since uh, you talked about the similarities that Porto and Atletico Madrid have, I, I also have no doubts that Chelsea are going to go through this tie. But considering the, also considering the fact that Porto kind of overcome, overcame their favorite, like favorites, overcame the favorites, like yeah, uh, yeah. they won you won against Juventus, and that too, like was a courageous performance. Um, I mean, it's we cannot count them off as of yet, but. Definitely the favorites are Chelsea. So uh, this tie is kind of going to be that match, which everyone, which everyone will look at as like, you know, we're definitely going to get an easy opponent compared to what Real Madrid and Liverpool um, are. But I don't think it's that way. We cannot yet simply count Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea, you know, as a simple opponent. But uh, compared to the other ties, I think... This might be the second most relaxed tie after Man City and Man City versus Dortmund. Yeah. Well, I, like, you said, like you said there, I think you've touched on Tuchel there and I, I touched on, on how, how much I think he's a fantastic coach. I mean, you've got to look at Chelsea in some ways are the perfect team for him because they've got so much tactical variation within the within the players at that yeah. club at the moment. It's, it, he, it's perfect for him. And that's why that's why that's why the start is he's had the start that he had that he he has had sorry because he must be like a kid in a sweet shop with those players because as as a manager or as a head coach or whatever we want to label them as these days his teams are so they must be so tactically awkward to play against because they're very good in possession so the possession play is very good. Uh, yeah. This Chelsea team have got a really solid defensive structure because he's playing three at the back. Even though one of the, what uh, the right hand side sort of drifts drifts out out of that back sometimes, uh, out of that back three at times, uh, they counter press very very well, uh, and they counter attack once they win the ball. Uh, yeah. But they do it periodically, so they don't do it. It's not every time they win the ball. It's not like Gagan pressing where they're constantly getting the ball and then they're constantly going on the attack. Is they choose their moments to do it, um, so that's why I make I make Chelsea clear favourites because I I think that they can adapt to anything that Porto throw at them. It will be interesting, however, to like I mentioned about once Chelsea go up, what go in the lead at any stage in the game. I think doesn't end it doesn't end the tie, but I think that's when they'll take control the most. It will be interesting to see what happens if Porto go one 0 up because. Again, the, the way uh, again the very the, the very they've got they've got a very solid structure there, uh, and they're very well trained and coached in how to do that. So it it may get interesting, uh, but if I'm if I'm being totally honest, if I'm looking at it completely from my football point of view, I, I only see one winner over the two legs. Yeah, I mean it's. It. I mean, both of us have pointed out about Chelsea going through, but let's see how it fares. But one thing is for sure, uh, this uh, Chelsea team under Thomas Tuchel would be the one to watch out, both for the fans and both, and for the tactic nerds as well. Yeah, yeah, 
Absolutely. Now you you mentioned that being the uh, like the sort of the the second most straightforward game within within the draw today. So and you see you, you mentioned that Manchester City and Dortmund was the first. I've got to agree with I've got to agree with you on that one. To be fair, I think I think Dortmund are like the perfect opponents for City in this draw. And again, given given Dortmund's defensive frailties this year, I, I think I think that would be quite a straightforward tie. I think Dortmund's obviously the form has improved a lot over the last month, and they've done what they needed to do against Seville. Uh, Seville, yeah, I thought, but. I think they rely too much on individual quality. Um, yeah, I mean, this tie also kind of um, gives us an insight of two very differently placed teams, you know. So if you, if you look at Manchester City there, uh, it's been like, um, I, I, can't, I can't even remember, but throughout the season, they've only played without a striker, without a viable striker. Like they've been able to adapt to that lack and on the other hand, Dortmund have been kind of very lethal with only their striking prowess, Erling Haaland, yeah. right? So this game is kind of going to be that one game when, you know, you see random videos on YouTube um, stay with a title, something like, okay, the game that made uh, Manchester City by Erling Haaland or something like that. That's possible in the future. But uh, towards the Dortmund... Towards Manchester City side, as we talked about in the previous pod, there there are a lot of things to talk about tactically, as well as how they are probably the best team in Europe, considering that Bayern um, have not been at the best like the previous season. But uh, towards the Dortmund side, all eyes are in Erling Haaland, uh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I can't I can't disagree with you at all. There may maybe Jadon Sancho as well, and his potential to hit. Manchester City on counter attacks. We know how obsessed Guardiola is with defending counter attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all he ever mentions in his uh, in his press conferences these days: counter attacks, counter attacks. <laughs> but you, we both mentioned last week in last week's show that obviously Pep Guardiola in the past, and even la- even as gone as far as the near future as last year, he's got a tendency to overthink. Uh-huh. Uh, from uh, overfit, especially in the Champions League, overthink these ties uh, from a tactical perspective. And although I think, again, I mentioned that Dortmund have gone at the perfect opponent from, if he does pay too, a bit too much attention to the the counter attack and threat of, uh, say, Haaland and Sancho, I suppose, I suppose, mm-hmm. I suppose that there is, there is room for this tie to get interesting because Dortmund, the Dortmund does not less Dortmund have got goals in them. There's, there's no doubt about that. Harlan, Harlan will get you a goal out of nothing. Sancho has been... His performances have gone, have gone under the radar a little bit this season given Dortmund's inconsistency and the fact that Harlan always seems always seems to take the highlight. But Sancho's had a very, very good season. Do you see, do you see Manchester, Manchester City just focusing solely on them two? Or do you, do you feel that Dortmund can hit them from other areas? I mean, considering... A various number of factors, you know, Manchester City will definitely look uh, not to focus on individuals, but, you know, try to play their own game, if I make sense. Uh, yeah. They have all a team that kind of want to wrap their head around their game and kind of kill the tie with those kind of factors. So I think um, the primary focus that Guardiola will put on will not to defend, but 
to keep these two players out of the ball. So, no, I mean, it, it's going to be a typical Guardiola uh, tactics if, if we kind of consider that to happen. Like, they're going to yeah. keep the ball all night long and try to create as much chances as they can with uh, as much vertical penetration as they can get. But as, as we mentioned, this like we're talking about a UEFA Champions League quarterfinal and uh, 2021 will mark exactly 10 years since Pep Guardiola lifted a Champions League trophy. Yeah. So he yeah. tends to think a lot. And uh, I mean, the tie will get around to how he will deal with these things. And I think uh, this season, compared to the previous season where they faced Leon and they still got knocked out, uh, they have kind of a bigger job to do with Dortmund, uh, not only considering Erling Haaland and Jordan Sancho, but how, you know, Dortmund are kind of a more prolific and more, uh, let's say, lethal side, if we can consider that to Leon previous season. So, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, with with regards to your question, I think they're going to, they uh, are going to focus on their game and not, uh, I mean, kind of put the ball away from those two. That would, that should be their primary tactics, but I know you know, this is Pep Guardiola and, and um, <laughs> no one knows what's going inside his head. So um, that should be the most, you know, calculated guess, but uh, no one's sure of what's going to happen. Uh, either he takes other approach or tends to overthink yet again. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, uh, that's up. There's a tendency that people are starting to label him with, whether he's labeled himself, whether, whether he pays too much attention that uh, to that sort of label himself, it, obviously we'll never know. But I mean, I mean, this City team at the minute, they just seem to be, and I know they got beat by Manchester United the other week, uh, but they just seem to be in full flow. Everything seems to be clicking for them. Um, the, there has been suggestions that they might have peaked a little bit too early, and that given given the obviously not being disrespectful to the other teams, but I think it's fair to say that that that. that, that the domestic, the Premier League title is going to be theirs. Maybe, maybe they could drop off in the Champions League. But I mean, I think the most impressive thing about them this year is the fact that Aguero and Gabriel Jesus might not even start this game and probably won't. I don't think anyone will be surprised. Yet, yeah. when you've got the likes of Gundogan, uh, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden, Mares, Sterling, you're always going to score goals. And if you add the fact that they've been so much more defensively sound this season, they should be able to keep cope well with Sancho and Haaland. Uh, and that's why I think I'd, I'd, be, I'd be pretty surprised if Manchester City went out to Dortmund. I won't be surprised if Manchester City won't win the tournament, but I'd be surprised if they got knocked out by this Dortmund team. I mean, yes, indeed. Like, I mean... We will be surprised in the fact that Manchester City got out to Dortmund, but I mean, not much. Most of us will be surprised if Pep Guardiola goes out to Dortmund, will we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that um, that again, um, as some, is, it, it's basically Pep, Pep Guardiola versus Pep Guardiola at this point, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And that's no disrespect to obviously Dortmund, but um, we we've seen in the past and make some uh, very bizarre. Um, tactical decisions uh, in the knockout stages so it'll be interesting to see if that happens again but I, I think they've got too much all over the park 
City, I really do. I think defensively they've been brilliant. Uh, I think Jean Cancelo has been probably one of the best uh, players in the Premier League this year, given what he's been asked to do uh, in that role. Obviously, they get labelled as uh, inverted wing backs, don't they? But it, it, it's not an inverted wing back. He just he's a, he's a full back that knows when to play in centre midfield during the game. It's like having a player that can play two positions. So it's like uh, effectively you've got twelve men on the pitch when players can do that. Very very similar to what he done with Philip Warren at Bayern Munich. But yeah, it should get into it. It should get interesting. Uh, beyond that, though, once Manchester City go through, which brings us to the last tie, uh, and one that I'm eagerly looking forward to, and that's Bayern Munich versus Paris Saint Germain. What, what are your initial thoughts on who's going to go through out this game, Sadesh? Ah, so I mean, I, I still think Bayern have got it. But considering the fact that PSG just um, kind of, ha- I mean, I would say uh, regarding their terms, you know, kind of stepped over Barcelona and came into this tie. Um, and Bayern are, Bayern are not not as good as they were last season. I still think this is a Bayern tie, but the first thought that I, you know, kind of came into was how's gonna how's Pochettino going to manage this? Yeah, against a Hansi Flick side. So PSG have always like PSG have always been, uh, to my eyes, you know, a, a side that had star-studded um, lineup. Like you always have, yeah, they have like Kylian Mbappe, Angel Di Maria, and then they used to have Thiago Silva and of course Neymar spontaneously. But uh, the other striking fact that I always sort of had was. When they, whenever they played in the Champions League, they almost looked like a side which had a bunch of like seven average players, but were yeah. superstar players. But with a manager that they had, like Thomas Tuchel, and now Mauricio Pochettino, uh, we can at least be assured of the fact that they picked the players that fit their system, and they can kind of work around the players that they're given. So, yeah. My first thought would have been like, what would be Mauricio Pochettino's approach against a very high line and very, you know, uh, a, a very dangerous Bayern Munich side. So, um, I mean, that was the takeaway of my thing, you know, against Barcelona, they were able to do that. You know, they were able to um, get around Mbappe and kill the tie in the first leg itself. But against Bayern Munich, I don't think that will be possible enough because they just basically exploited exploited Barcelona's lack of pace in defense. And this time we got Ponzo Divas coming on from one side and I guess Benjamin Tauber with the other. So, I mean, that was the first thought that that came in. Like, how is Pochettino going to handle this? Yeah. Well, obviously, people automatically will think of last year's final as well. And I thought PSG with the better team in last year's round possibly should have been two up by the time Bayern Munich got there by the but two two things to uh, consider is that Bayern Munich this Bayern Munich team always find a way obviously yeah. not only are they good and are they fantastic and they've got a very very uh, sort of strong team ethic and st- strong individuals they always find a way within the game and that's a credit to Hansi Flick uh, and the players themselves. Uh, 
And like you've pointed out there, that this PSG team from the final last year, it's not the Thomas Tuchel team anymore. It's a Mauricio Pochettino team. And I don't think... I know it's hard for any manager to come in in January. Uh, don't yeah. get me wrong, but I don't think I don't think that transition is is fully accomplished yet from a Tuchel team to uh, a Pochettino team. And I think there's, there's a little bit of issues. There's a little bit inconsistency there at PSG within the performances, not only domestically, but again the first leg against Barcelona, they, they were good. They they thought I thought mm, yeah, interesting this. They looked like they they they'd sort of made that adaptation to Pochettino's tactics very well. But then in the second leg against Barcelona, I, I thought they were poor, if I'm honest. I thought PSG were poor. And if Messi scores that penalty just before half-time, I thought it was game on. I really did. Uh, but So I, I look at it, I probably agree with yourself that I, I think Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich are going to go through over the two legs. I don't think PSG are quite there yet on the Pochettino. Um, obviously, when I think about the two teams playing last year, if this was a Thomas Tuchel PSG, um, uh-huh. then I, I, I don't know. I, I, if I'll be totally honest, I don't know if my prediction will be the same because I, I, I did really think that they were the better team when they played in the final and they looked for, uh, far more accomplished as a team as to what they do now. But you can't ignore the, individ- the individual ability that PSG have got, like you've mentioned there. They've got fantastic individuals. They're not quite there as a team yet. But you look at Bayern Munich are not going to divert away from that play in that high line. And I think it's been to the detriment this sometimes this year. And I think some, uh, it'd be interesting to see who plays at centre-half and who plays at defence for them. But if you look at, if you match that up against Mbappe, Di Maria, Neymar, if he's fit... And that's why it makes me think, from a tactical perspective, it could just be perfect for PSG, regardless of uh, Bayern Munich having that sort of, that that nous, if you like. But one of the interesting points that I have seen is the fact that Pochettino's now playing Marco Verratti as a number 10 in a 4-2-3-1. And as I mentioned, I don't think as a team yet, PSG have fully... Uh, adapted to Maurizio Pochettino but I think he has and for me he could be the key player in this time how do you I don't know have you seen much of I'm assuming you've watched watched the Barcelona games given that you are a Barcelona fan but how do you think Verratti fitted into that number 10 role I mean um, like on papers Marco Verratti was a number 10 but his role was much more than just a normal 10 under Pochettino from what I uh, looked at it, you know, Marco Baratti was like present in the space that he was supposed to be present as a number 10, uh, yeah. like between piece between the lines, but uh, also without a ball, the work that he did was remarkable. You know, yeah. he, was, he was tossed at um, being along Sergio Busquets and he kind of was playing like a deep flying playmaker at times, but um, uh, Obviously, I mentioned the fact that with the ball, he, he was paid as a number 10 and he would get into the spaces. But uh, the first thought that I had after, uh, you know, PSC hammered Barcelona uh, for one was that, okay, Marco Verratti, I always assumed him as a player who would fear in the midfield. And at some point of time, I, I wanted him desperately at Barcelona because, you know, he has got all the attributes that you want in a Barcelona yes. midfield. 
he he's very comfortable with the ball and he's kind of very good with pieces playing inside the pockets. And I think that's what ben, that's what he's been doing under Pochettino in the number 10 role. You know, what allows him to kind of switch on from a deep line playmaker uh, at times, get along in the spaces is his, is his ability to move around the ball and occupy the spaces. So I think, yeah, pretty pretty good that he has found one kind of role under Pochettino. And I think he's doing it quite well. Yeah, yeah. I, like you, you mentioned you mentioned there I, a key aspect that I, that that I see is that when when they're in possession of the ball, they're playing a lot higher up to make it to, to playing in that area that a number ten would or what, what you think a number ten would occupy. But then the ability to drop back as well and receive the ball in different areas. And I think similar to what I, I mentioned before with Cancelo and Man City, when you've got a player who's tactically aware like that, it's like it's like you're playing a 4-2-3-1 and he's playing as a 10, but then you then you can switch from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3 and his ability to drop back in yeah. and play in a different pocket. Um, when you've got players like that, it must be it must be fantastic for a manager. Uh, it must be it must just be a dream for a manager actually to to have a player who's tactically aware like that, that, that and it, and that switches the formation without without instruction basically the movements of the player and uh, the decisiveness as a of a player switches the whole formation for the team and that 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 must be that must be fantastic but but we're going back to the tie itself as as good as that switch has been. Uh, I'm quite, to be honest with you, I'm quite surprised that no managers tried it before. Mm-hmm. Pochettino with Verratti, quite surprised at that. But just going back to the tie itself, yeah, I still think there's a few other issues at PSG at the moment. Uh, they have got a title race as well to think about in League uh, One this League One this, uh, this season. So whether they might get distracted by that, I don't know, but. Yeah, I think over the two legs, Bayern Munich seems to be coming in a bit uh, into a bit of a form, bit, bit of form at the moment. Not only results-wise, but performance-wise as well. And they're showing a little bit more consistency with the performances over the last couple of weeks. So there will be goals in this, though. I do expect there to be. This isn't this isn't going to be. It'll be a tight game in terms of performance, but I can't see this being a a one nil two one over two legs. I, I can see this being. I don't know, like a, f- a five-three or, or or a four-two or even even higher, five-four, six-four over the two legs. I, I think there's a lot. This is the time that's going to offer the most goals for me. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with the fact, and um, I think us both choosing Bayern as a favorite also comes on to the fact that PSG looked really vulnerable when Barcelona were creating a lot of chances in the second leg. And one thing we have to consider is that. Bayern will create more yeah. chance than Barcelona in this fixture. Yeah, and absolutely. Not to, yeah. yeah, not mention we always um, kind of underestimate Thomas Muller, and he's not really talked about. But PSD have quite a job in their hand dealing with uh, how Thomas Muller and what Lewandowski have been this season. So definitely, there there are going to be goals considering that uh, Kylian Mbappe is leading the attack on the other side. And as well as we can expect to see Neymar get in the side if he's fit, uh, and also Bayern have been lethal with the attack. So uh, there is no complete, uh, you know, disagreement and to the notion that we'll, we're going to see a tie that that might go up until like 
six goals to four or you know five goals to three and something like that we, we can expect to see goals yeah absolutely and that brings an end to our Champions League review uh, for this week and yeah based on what we everything that we've uh, everything that we've discussed today Sadesh as I'm quite excited. I love the Champions League. Obviously, I think it helps the fact that my team are never in it. So I can always look at, at it from a completely impartial perspective. So I can, I, I, there's no worry. There's no sort of like, there's no anger when I'm watching these games. So I can just I can just enjoy it. So I think that, that's always a big help. But last week, when we discussed it, you mentioned that you, you think Manchester City will go on and win the tournament. Given the semi-final draw, and the paths that you can now see each team have got and the teams that each team can likely face on the way to the final. Has that has that changed at all? I mean, um it it largely depends on I guess more than the Manchester City tie, but it, it largely depends on the PSG Bayern Munich tie at this point. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, if Manchester City go through and make it to the semi-finals. I think uh, the the other side of uh, you know Chelsea Chelsea Porto and uh, Liverpool uh, Real Madrid would be less of a headache for Manchester City than overcoming the winners of PSG and Bayern Munich. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm still convinced for the fact that Manchester City are is like arguably the best side in Europe right now. As of like we have we all have seen when Pep Guardiola. Guardiola's side began to function. They function in a way that they're kind of, they look invincible. So at this point of time, I think it's that phase uh, that Manchester City are on in the league uh, and in the Champions League. If they continue to perform that, I think the tie should not be a big of a headache. But you know, it, it's Champions League, and we, as we've already discussed, like good 10 minutes. Um, it's Pep. Guardiola, it might be Pep Guardiola versus Pep Guardiola. So. If they continue to be the same side that they are in the league and wrap their head around, I don't think that should that should be a problem. But, but still, um, it is to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, my prediction is that Manchester City won't win it. So I, I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm not going to predict the winner. I'm just going to predict that Man City won't win it. <laughs> um, okay, right. Well, just before we wrap up today, we've got a couple of questions from our Patreon Dita. Always sends in good questions to Dita. Um, and we're just going to go over a few here. Um, one, obviously, we've been talking about Bayern Munich, so we'll stick to the question about Bayern Munich. And in short, Sadesh, uh, Lewandowski is on the verge, or I think he's got nine goals to break Gabe Muller's record uh, domestically, or goals in a single season uh, for yeah. Bayern Munich. Do do you see him doing it? I think there's nine games left over in the Bundesliga, or maybe I think he has to average from what I've read and what I've seen. I think it's one goal a game before now and the end of the season for him to break the record. So do you think he'll break it? I mean, um, yeah, he has, I guess, scored 32 this season. Yes. And, and it, it's quite like, you know, if we... If he continues to do that with that ratio, I definitely see him uh, breaking the record. Um, and we also have to consider how the team will go from this this way onwards. 
if Bayern continues to dominate and the team around him goes well and performs well in the league, continues to perform well in the league, they actually might, you know, Robert Lewandowski actually might be benefited in this regard. But as we saw, I mean, Bayern have, there have been lapses in Bayern's team this season. And, you know, if, if, if all goes how all of the things goes, how it's going on right now, I, I definitely see Robert Lewandowski breaking it rather than not breaking it. Yeah, I think only injuries. I think if he stays fit, he'll break that record this season just because, obviously, the, the, there is one point to make that if if Bayern Munich do uh, go favour in the Champions League, will, will he get rested domestically? But, again... Bayern Munich, like like we mentioned, PSG have got a bit of a title rate, have got a bit of a challenger this year in Leipzig in the Bundesliga. So that's by they probably will go on and win it, uh, given given that they, they are still massive favourites to go on and win the title. But they, they still got a. It's not like they can rest players completely in the Bundesliga. So and given the way Robert Lewandowski is as a player, I think he and he'll know that record is there for him to be broke. I don't think he'll get a better opportunity than this in, within in the future yeah. either to break it. So I, I think he'll break. I, I don't. I can't see. I can't see him allowing Hansi Flick to rest them domestically for Champions League games. So only injuries will stop him now. So I, I think. I think he'll go on and break it, and I think he'll break it by a number of goals as well. Yeah, and uh, and. and and I think to consider that you know what we discussed previously as well. If you look at the goals, you know. If Bayern score, it has to be Robert Lewandowski, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. Full scorer. So in that regards as well, the prediction kind of makes sense because like if Bayern score goal, score goals, it's got to be Robert Lewandowski. So yeah, I mean it's not a Mane, Firmino, Salah kind of situation in Bayern Munich. If they score, it, it chances are high that it's definitely going to be Robert Lewandowski. So we both uh, see him beating that record. Yeah. Absolutely. And another question from Dieter is, what's your opinion on the, the sacking of, was he a sacked? I'm not sure if that was official, officially made, but uh, what is your opinion on the sacking of Chris Wilder at Sheffield United? Yeah, I mean, you begin with this question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, I don't know the exact reasons. From what, from what I've seen and what I've read, he's... He's had a bit of a fallout with the uh, with the chairman and the the direct not the director of football but the uh, the chief executive at Sheffield United. Uh, I don't know again. I, I don't know what it what was there about. When I look at the when I look at the job that he's done there with the players that are still there, it it's probably a good time for him to leave. If I'm being totally honest. He's probably he's probably maximised every ounce of ability that he can out of that current team, and that was probably one of the things that he's probably fell out about the fact that he probably he's probably said to the chairman, "Listen, this team needs refreshing now. If we're going to go down this year, we can't come back up with this team. We need to refresh the team because if they come back up with the same team or they do manage to come back up, you're going to be in a similar position as to what they are now." Uh, so, again. I'm not totally surprised. I didn't expect them to be in charge next season anyway. And given the fact that they're basically already down, why wait on? It gives probably give it probably better for both parties that he moved on now. Um, it will be interesting to see where Chris Wilder goes next. I I would actually I mentioned 
I put a comment on Twitter the other day. I think Crystal Palace will be perfect for him. And I think Roy Hodgson's out of contract in the summer. Most of their players are out of contract in the summer. Palace have tried this before, probably tried it too much. So they went too much the other way where they went. They tried to get Frank de Bauer in and tried to sort of move on from what they were, but it was too much of a transition. I think Chris Wilder would be perfect for them to move on from Roy Hodgson's um, sort of tactical setup, but not move too much away from it. And I think he, he, I think he's proven to be able to get 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 the best out of limited plays with limited ability. So just to summarise what I've just said there, yeah, I think I'm not surprised by it, and I think I think it's best for both parties that he has gone on. I mean, we all saw that coming, didn't we? Like Chris Wilder took over Sheffield uh, United in 2016, I guess he got them promoted. And once they came in the Premier League, it was kind of, I still remember, it was kind of a debate. Whereas uh, if they will be in the Premier League or not. Like, I guess Norwich and Sheffield got promoted in the same season and they were yeah. very contrasting to each other. One loved kind of attacking, but the other defended and, you know, kind of had a different approach to uh, uh, Norwich. So it also comes down to how much does a, a manager can get you. I mean, I think the job that he was talked on was basically to promote them and kind of make them hang around the Premier League. But uh, the things didn't work out this season. So I think uh, that was also one of the reasons. And as, you, as Chris mentioned, uh, a probable fallout could also have... Uh, acted as a catalyst to that decision, but uh, I think that's the problem. That's the main reason as to why you know the performances definitely reflect on a manager's terms. And since this was the lowest that uh, they have been in the Premier League since uh, he took over, I think they're going down anyway. So they just kind of on mutual agreement um, parted ways and. Uh, also, Chris, uh, since we're in this discussion, uh, one very interesting fact that, you know, the Premier League clubs that kind of, you know, are in the bottom half of it, they always kind of go around the same managers when one gets sacked. It's it basically one gets sacked and the other team appoints the same manager. Yeah. We've seen that with Tony Pulis and a lot of managers. And as, as per your predictions, that's still going to happen. You know, that's going to happen again. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. You you you've raised a very good point there. As that's what I mean. I just hope I think he's done himself I don't I think he's done himself more than enough justice to stay within the Premier League and managing of a Premier League club. Chris Wilde, I think the job that he's done in Sheffield United has been fantastic. Don't think this relegation should hinder him because it does it does hinder coaches over here in England. I think they pay I think some clubs pay too much attention to the fact if a, a manager's been relegated or not, as opposed to what he can actually bring, uh, bring your club, and what he can do with players, and what how he sets his teams up. So, I mean, I think I think there's a, there'll be uh, there'll be a few clubs uh, looking at him uh, again. I mean, there'll probably be a few clubs in the Championship that be, might be looking at him as well. Maybe Bournemouth as well. I think that would be a good move for both parties. Like I said, Palace would be a good move for both parties. But yeah. Yeah, I think I think 
I'm not surprised by by his sacking at all. And I, I hope I hope he doesn't get into that merry go round like you've said said there, Sadesh, where you see him take over. I don't know whoever's bottom next Christmas or whoever's struggling, and then <laughs> and then the season after, do you know what I mean? He quits because they haven't got a bad start, or he gets sacked, and then you see him in charge of the other team that's struggling. I hope he doesn't get into that sort of Sam Allardyce, Roy Hodgson, David Moyes. Sort of that circle of managers that don't really stay, um, that are only employed for one reason. Because I, I do believe I was very, I was very impressed with them last year, and I just think this year the the way the schedule, they're the sort of players that need to be coached five days a week before a game, as a, as opposed to two, maybe three at most. And I think the schedule, uh, the fixture schedule, and possibly the fans not being in the stadium has, has probably affected them more than some other clubs. Mm-hmm. But uh, that brings an end to this week's show. Anyway, very enjoyable, very enjoyable. Uh, great to go over Champions League, as I, as I mentioned before. I love, uh, love that, and obviously great to speak to yourself, mate. As always, um, yeah. I mean, I, I always enjoy being here. Since Redwick uh, is coming on from next week, I'm kind of you know. I might be unemployed. Like, if you guys love me, you you'll definitely call me, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know. mate. We'll we'll sort. We'll, we'll, I think <laughs> I think there's definitely room to make this a free man attack in the future. So, <laughs> uh, especially in, uh, given Rifik's uh, injury woes, but <laughs> we we won't talk too much about that. But uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks to Dieter again for his questions, uh, and thanks to any listeners and we'll speak again next week bye bye everyone